Welcome everyone to Rock M Nation Podcast. This is another episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we are on Season 3, Episode 12. Uh, I am your host, Sam Snelling. You may be familiar with my musings at the Rock M Nation website. Uh, with me is, uh, we, we flipped his commitment uh, to the good guys, my co-host, Matthew Harris. Matt, how are things in Indy tonight? Very cold uh, and uh, very icy, um, but I'm glad that you stayed true to me, Sam. Kept me on this pod and have not uh, secretly told people that you're going to switch my position. So I'm not going to go uh, to the Arkansas blog. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that might actually be tempting because uh, Muss is those guys kind of playing pretty well right now. Uh, better than I thought they'd be playing. Uh, and at a higher tempo, um, which I know you and I both favor. Uh, however, I know that uh, I know our readership, our, our good Mizzou fan base, um, they're, they're, they're loyal to us, Matt. And so I think that makes a difference. Um, I don't think they get the page views either. <laughs> Uh, so we are recovering from a, uh, a Missouri win in outstanding fashion where Mark Smith actually made multiple three-point shots. Um, he went seven of nine from three-point range uh, in a game that really, from, what was it, like, I think it was like nine to nine after like seven or eight minutes of play, and... Mizzou went on like a little 12-0 run. After that, it was never really in doubt kind of what was going to happen. Uh, Tigers extended their lead out to as many as 26 points, which was uh, which was nice. And then, of course, they let go of the rope, and uh, I think SIU scored the final like nine points at, at the end of the game over like the last two or three minutes and cut the lead back down. Uh, always nice to, uh, to trim on that lead and, and sort of make yourself look better in the long run, but... Uh, I think we sort of saw, you know, the Mizzou team that I think most people kind of thought that we were going to see more of this year where, um, you know, three-point shots weren't quite as uh, laborious as, as they've been. Um, and a lot of that comes down to one guy basically making seven of nine. Yeah, I think you put it best in study hall. It was uh, 28 minutes of semi-competent basketball. Um you know, obviously, uh, Jeremiah Tillman was not really uh, prominent in that run, but it was sort of nice to see the guards, I think, kind of take a little bit of the onus and drive the offense. Um, I thought in the last two games that Javon Pickett's looked um, a lot better and kind of getting back into the form that, you know, works best for him, which is a guy who's going to, you know, cut off the ball, especially on the weak side, who's going to go to the glass. Um, I know Torrance is still wandering the wilderness looking for his jump shot, but um, early on, attacked the rim twice, um, and I thought that was big for his confidence. I wish he'd stick with that more, and I wish that he would, you know, look for those kinds of plays more often, um, even if it, they're not producing easy makes, if he's putting pressure on the defense and, Getting to the line, I think that that's important. Um, and obviously, Mark, uh, you know, sort of hoarding all the makes in one game is uh, good to see, but you kind of wonder is that going to translate into uh, 
some consistency over the next three or four and at least give this team one reliable steady jump shooter but uh, still nice to see the offense kind of be powered by the backcourt and have some different guys bring different things to the table there um defensively did what they needed to do uh really just focused on they they just took siu out of anything, anything they wanted to do it was, it was you know we we joked about it before that game that you know every team is sort of you know using the charleston southern plan or the butler plan which is they're really going to rely on a stretch forward to really kind of monkey with missouri and Damascus put up some good numbers, and I think he'll be a good kind of Mo Valley player, but he's not really an uber-athletic kid. He's a freshman, and Missouri had the size and length to really kind of trouble him. And, you know, they're switching heavily on him and kind of you know sticking with him constantly. He couldn't get free. Um, Southern Illinois has some injury issues that have kind of taken some of their better shooters off the floor. And, you know, they just didn't have, you know, any kind of secondary threat to really apply pressure now they got to the line a ton they got missouri to foul them a lot but that was you know really in service of you know offsetting you know jumpers that were contested and it didn't matter anyway because they were giving the ball away a ton too and not able to compete on the glass so not good that missouri fouled a lot but that was the only real area of the game that i thought southern illinois kind of acquitted itself pretty well was getting to the line other than that they were just completely stymied whether it was damask whether it was on the glass or anybody else really trying to get into a rhythm yeah it was uh this is one of those one of those games where like it wasn't particularly thrilling to watch once missouri kind of got out to the lead they just managed to sort of squeeze the life offensively out of out of a sau team and it's just one of those things that they hadn't really been doing a lot of um and so i don't know like that's maybe nice to see kind of setting the table for uh for a game against a you know a rival like illinois and bragging rights uh but this is a i mean this is a team that still clearly has some some issues dealing uh offensively and like you said i i i was thrilled to see Torrance Watson kind of going to the basket and he finishes two shots around the rim and, and then proceeds to like avoid going to the basket the rest of the game. And it's just like, I mean, I, you and I both kind of talked about like what he does just by his presence being on the floor and, and just being a guy who can potentially uh, help you offensively. Um, but at some point, you know, there's got to be a payoff, right? Uh, and it looked like kind of early on, if he's if he's attacking, getting to the rim, and and kind of doing a lot of the things that like you know Javon Pickett does, um, then I think he becomes more valuable. Because uh, right now, I mean, he just he looks he's just absolutely lost trying to shoot the ball. And I wish that uh, synergy synergy had not cut off our video <laughs> access. Um, because I really would like to go back and like watch him shoot last year and just kind of string up all of his threes and just watch his shot last year, like especially the last two or three months compared to where he's at this year. And it just, his, everything's just a mess for him. And, and I, I right now, Missouri really kind of needs uh, a, a more reliable perimeter threat. And I think that's why they've been kind of successful in the last couple of games is, is, you know the the help that Javon Pickett has provided just by 
putting the ball in the basket. So, and and you know, if 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 Tillman is is going to have an off night, it's like it's good that it happens against somebody like Southern Illinois, where you can kind of make up for that. But uh, at some point, like Missouri's going to need to figure out like a a, a plan B uh, because you can't really just sort of hope that Mark Smith is having an on night, you know, for it all to work. Yeah, and you know, I think you know if anybody follows me on Twitter or if when I talk to you, I'm just really stuck on the starting lineup, and not because I think the starting lineup matters all that much. You know, they usually what go the first two to three minutes of each half, and maybe two to three minutes over the middle portion. And ideally, that's who you'd have on the floor when you're closing. But Missouri hasn't had necessarily had that, you know, be the case this year. But you know, I'm just. I watched the opening start to games and it just doesn't seem like the lineup even that's been run out the past couple is producing at any higher rate or any better any more efficiently than the last lineup it's still around 0.95 points per possession which is what the lineup before them they were at I mean the the net rating is basically the same you know the rebounding rate is basically the same like it's it's just been a push it's been a net push for them, literally. And, you know, a part of me wonders, and I was tinkering with this yesterday, was do you just go four guard? Do you just, you know, say, hey, four guard lineups have been kind of working for us a little bit. And, you know, it gets us, you know, a guy like Pickett on the floor and it gets us two shooters. And, you know, hey, let's let's go with that for a little bit. Um, you know, do you consider, you know, putting a guy like Pinson on the floor with Drew Smith and taking Pickett off and kind of doing what they've done now, which is make him a bench player who comes in and brings a little bit of energy and off the ball action. And do you maybe looking at, do you look at maybe trying a little bit more of an athletic combo forward in Trey Jackson, who we agree kind of gets lost defensively, but he's not, you know, just solely settling for corner three point jump, three point shots at this point. So I still think there's some room to kind of experiment with that those first couple rotations that they get onto the floor because right now when Missouri's finding itself it's usually after six to seven minutes and usually when they've gone to some sort of four guard lineup or gone to a small ball five and so a part of me wonders why not just start the game that way why not just you know expedite the process and you know, if it's not working, you know, if you go four guard and it doesn't work and pickets at the four and it's like, oh man, we're getting murdered on the glass, well then just sub in a combo forward and, you know, shore that up. Or if the offense isn't working with like Trey Jackson at the four, then just sub in a guard for him, sub picket in and kind of keep things rolling a little bit. So, you know, I, I think Mitchell Smith has, has improved defensively, but I'm still not sure that you know, having him and Kobe on the floor at the three and the four spots is doing anything to really drive the offense and so you know you know we're talking about Torrance trying to find himself I kind of think you know it would be helpful you know to Kobe to maybe you know watch the game unfold a little bit see how defenses are playing see how the you know the rhythm is going and then use him maybe as a in a substitution kind of role there you know it's you know again we don't see what goes on in practice and what the work habits are but it's just seems to me that like the tweak right now hasn't gotten the desired result of getting them out of the blocks any faster. No. And I, I just, I, as much as like, you know, Pinson drives me nuts on defense. Um, he's a terrible, terrible defender. Uh, he does enough offensively that, 
you know, he, he is able to sort of take the ball and, <laughs> and just go score it sometimes. And, and like, really, like, the, the one thing that I think Missouri misses uh, in this offense a lot is just a guy who's just capable of kind of getting his own. Um, you know, they're, everybody else kind of relies on some other kind of action. You know, it's just like, like Mark Smith is better kind of catching and shooting um, than he is, you know, just trying to run off a, uh, a ball screen or, or a, you know, attack a closeout. Like, he's just better in that role. Uh, you know, Torrance Watson has kind of proven that he's just not really interested in attacking. And, and Drew Smith is is as good at sort of running uh, an offense but doesn't really seem like the kind of guy who's all that comfortable sort of branching out and, and taking the ball on his own. So at some point, they need to find uh, another score. And I, I, I don't know that I see one on the roster. Um, you know, like I, I think that there's there's some things that Kobe Brown can kind of do um, at the combo forward spot that, that can facilitate some playmaking. But ultimately, I think they're just going to have to recruit somebody who has a little bit more of like an alpha dog uh offensive mentality and isn't afraid to you know just go get the ball when missouri needs a basket the other team's on a bit of a run uh they're struggling to kind of find angles and all that kind of stuff and and just you know and i think that's one of the things that pinson kind of does well i just think missouri kind of needs at least one other guy that can kind of do that i mean josh christopher's still out there sam uh, he is. Yeah, maybe they should they should recruit him. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think Nicodemus is is doing all he can, uh, at least on Twitter, um, making sure that Josh knows that he has a home in Columbia if he wants one. But uh, but yeah, so I, I like you know, kind of to your point, it's like there's there there are some things that I think you know, tend to kind of work well for them offensively. You know, the problem is, is right now, you know, we, we know that Conzo Martin is sort of very focused as a defensive coach and wants to be able to, to defend and rebound. And his better offensive players don't really seem to be his best offensive players. Um, you know, with the exception of probably Drew and, and even Jeremiah when, when he's not sort of struggling with fouls. Um but I think both those guys are capable defenders, um, you know. But if if you want to, if you want Pinson on the floor, like you're sacrificing defense. If you want any of the freshmen on the floor, you're like you're sacrificing defense. I think we both liked Trey Jackson getting extended minutes, uh, but you see when he's out there on the floor for extended minutes, like why he's not playing a lot is because he he gets lost on defense and and you know causes all kinds of easy shots to get taken. So. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's easy for us to sit here too and sort of say, "Look, just make the just make the trade off," and you know, sub in and sub out. And I guess the point, like when I was mentioning earlier, like the starting lineup idea that I had in mind was, you know, if you put Drew, Pinson, Mark, Trey, and Tillman on the floor, you still have two solid defenders and a rim protector, and you can sort of hide. Pinson on a third guard and you know, you know Trey's still going to be kind of questionable at times but you at least have a backstop at the rim to help in that sort of situation but I think at that point what you're getting is you're getting like you said a, a guy who's got a little bit of an alpha personality on the floor and, and 
you know, Pinson who can kind of create outside the structure of the offense. You get a guy in, in Jackson who I think is shown an ability to sort of want to go into the and you know, rebound a little bit, who I think hasn't quite fallen in love with shooting jumpers at this point. So maybe, you know, he can get a little bit of a run of confidence. Maybe it injects, you know, him with, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost. So, I, and also I think at this point it's, it's two to three minutes at the start of a game and, it, you know, it's worth at least sort of seeing what maybe that sort of lineup will provide you. Even if you're going to give up maybe some points early, maybe it helps the offense establish a rhythm and some flow. And then once that's kind of locked in, then you can sort of go back to some guys who you trust a little bit defensively. But I think that's what I'm sort of looking for more is just, can they find guys and, or a group that gets them into a rhythm early? And I'm still not sure if they have that. So, you know, I think that's just more my concern at this point. So either way, uh, they have to take on an Illinois team um, on Saturday. It's a noon start, uh, which seems wrong. I can't. Yeah, I can't even remember the last time there was like a was co- a and rights in the daytime. It was a couple years ago, but even then, that didn't. Even then, that felt weird. Yeah, and it, like it, it needs like a. If it's a Saturday, like a good six o'clock start is good. I don't even mind an 8 p.m. start. Let everybody have an extra couple hours to get uh, lubricated for that game. (laughs) So uh, early line has the Illini. Um, Not by a lot. Uh, I actually saw a comment on Rock Nation. Somebody's just like, I'm surprised the line is like so small. It's like, why? Illinois isn't good either. Um, Yeah, like... The Illini are uh, 39th in Ken Palm. Missouri is currently 57th. Uh, Mizzou plays good defense. Uh, Illinois plays okay defense. Um, Illinois is okay offensively, and Missouri is less okay offensively. So this is this is a game that should probably be a close game. Yeah. Illinois nuanced analysis here. That's why you're you're downloading this podcast. I mean, neither team shoots better than thirty percent from three. Both are worse than two hundred eightieth nationally in turnover percentage. Both are both just give the ball away without any pressure. Um, the one difference is that Illinois is not a jump shooting reliant team. They're only only twenty seven percent of their jump. Sh- only 27% of their field goal attempts come from behind the arc. That's 346 nationally. They are 10th in a two-point offense. Uh, 60% of their offense comes inside the arc. So they are a team that is, you know, again, they're not going to shoot it a bunch, but they, they've got a pretty consistent ability to, to make plays around the bucket. That's uh, largely thanks to Kofi Cockburn, who you and I uh, had questions about as a potential fit there in that system and he has uh quickly dismissed those and is looking really really good uh playing alongside uh, a guy in Georgi Bezhanishvili who we thought th- that wouldn't exactly mesh but it has uh especially when uh Georgi pivots and dumps the ball to Kofi on a duck in and just lets him overpower whatever poor soul is guarding him well Kofi is uh 
he's about seven feet tall and almost 300 pounds. Like he's a big dude. Takes up a lot of space. Uh, and and Illinois has uh, you know the staff there done a really good job. And I actually sort of thought this was uh, I can't remember which recruiting analyst kind of pointed it out, but I thought it was a, a pretty good point. Um, it's maybe bossy or somebody like that, but it said it, essentially somebody at Illinois has like cracked the Kofi code and, and gotten him to play with energy and effort for longer stretches of time than he's ever in his basically his entire basketball career, which isn't that uncommon for, you know, a guy with that kind of size to sort of have a questionable motor. Uh, and then when they figure it out, they can kind of become like, you know, pretty dang good. And I think when you look at uh, a guy like even Ryan Rosberg, who I think, there are plenty of criticisms throughout his time. As soon as he figured out like how hard he has to play on a regular basis, uh, you know, as his career was winding down, he became a pretty good player. I mean, it was on a terrible team with like not a lot of other options, but um, I mean, he was a guy who was giving you 15 points and 10 rebounds a night. And that's like, that's kind of, I think where Kofi is right now is he's figured out, uh, sort of how to be an effective guy, how to be uh, good at what he does. And, and he's not really putting himself in a lot of positions um, to, to where he's basically not utilizing what he's good at, which is being big and strong and, and being around the rim. And if you get those things kind of working, then uh, you're going to have a good player. And I think that the, the advantage there with, with Georgie is – uh, he he is a guy who is a lot more fluid and a lot more comfortable kind of away from the basket. So you're, he's able to kind of move away from the basket, play more in the high post, uh, and then they get kind of, you know, that, that similar sort of playing back and forth with each other. I think it, it really kind of works. Uh, now, at some point, you have to expect, uh, like, Dasunmu um, to be better. Uh, I, I still think that they have Feliz kind of at way too high usage for a player of his caliber. Um, and they, 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 they're they basically using Trent Frazier, who I think is a better player than Feliz, as a floor spacer. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is what it is at this point. I just, I I tend to think, like, we've seen three years of, of Trent Frazier, and we, I think we both think he's pretty good. Uh, and they i mean he plays he's out there on the floor but he's he's doesn't have the ball in his hands a lot and i and the, i just looked looked up their stats he's he's got a one, 122 offensive rating on 14.2% usage so that is that is a small sample size juicing some numbers there but it's they've i think the one thing that's sort of interesting that they've done is you know they've you know their tempo is not high. You know, they're not, you know, I'm looking at their, you know, their average. Well, they don't have great depth, and they don't really have any wings. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a ton of wings, but it you can sort of see, like, when you look through Synergy, when you watch on film, and you, when you go through here, you can kind of see what the thought process is. Most of their possessions are in transition, which they are a team that's not going to, you know, I think Brad would like to play it a little bit faster clip, but they don't have the wing depth to. So they are a team that's coming down attacking an early clock offense. Feliz will push. They'll have Frazier and Sumu sprint the wings. 
and or they'll either have Dasumu get an outlet and push, and then they're going to get into their offense. They're going to try and flow a little bit through the spread. They may try and play through Georgie at the el- Georgie at the elbow, and they're going to e- or they're going to look to hit Cockburn on the right block, or they're going to try and get a duck in for him. And then after that, the offense really sort of becomes ah, ah, <laughs> like there's. But the thing is, when it works, it really, really works. The issue is when you take Cockburn off the floor and you've got to kind of move Georgie to the five, and then you have Kipper Nichols coming in, you've got two bigs that aren't really, like, there's not a traditional big. You know, Georgie will try and post, but he's not really, you know, he's definitely not coping in terms of being able to displace people. Kipper's 6'6", and so you really kind of, and he's not the same sort of effective player in spots on the in the high post in the nail area that, that Georgie is. So the offense, when they kind of get into that second unit, and this is where the depth matters, it really sorts, starts to bog down a little bit. And what Missouri figured out a year ago was, if you just absolutely swarm whoever is in that high post area and make those handoffs or make those sort of over-the-top kind of AI cuts or you know flex cuts hard to do, you can really throw a monkey wrench in things for them. And last year they got to soon moon foul trouble and put him on the bench. And it was really, could Trent Frazier make enough stuff happen out of ball screens as a scorer? And, you know, this year that's changed a little bit because now they can play through Kofi in the post. But it still seems like the beautiful offense that Brad was supposed to install is still kind of trying to get untracked because AO can't hit jumpers still. He's only like 29% on catch and shoots. Frazier's floor spacing. Feliz is trying to drive a little bit. But then there's nothing really after that. Demontre Williams and Alan Griffin are replacement level at best, maybe. So it's, you know, and, after, and Kipper's a kind of a jack-of-all-trades, kind of grinded-out type player. So they've really only got three or four core guys in that rotation. And if the early part of these... The early part of the offense isn't really flowing very well, or you can stifle, stifle key spots on the floor. You can kind of get into them a little bit. So, you know, while they look better and they've got, I think, some guys who can go get their own, they can still look a little bulky, which is, you know, weird, given that I thought Brad would kind of have that sorted out at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think for them, the... so I think... Mizzou and Illinois look to me to kind of be um, a little more opposites. And so it'll it'll kind of be interesting because I I feel like while Mizzou tends to kind of have three or four guys that are kind of consistently at the top, they they can sort of turn to as many as eight or nine and still kind of feel comfortable um, with who's out there on the floor and, and, and be able to compete. If you get past... You know, Illinois is kind of top five guys. Um, you know, there's really nobody who's going to scare you at all. So I think if you're kind of looking at like Damani Williams, um, stunned to actually see that Damani is playing nearly half the minutes. Uh, you know, Alan Griffin, who I think is, is a guy who could be a, a, a good role guy, um, is getting 36.3. Uh, percent of the minutes and uh and, and kipper is at about 34 and I, I like kipper and and griffin both more than than damani and again this is like one of those things that like 
we don't get to see practice. We don't know how those guys are playing. But, you know, I just look at a Damani Williams, who's 0 for 11 on three-point <laughs> three shots uh, and was a disaster for Illinois in the Bragging Rights game last year. I mean, he, he was brutal. Griffin shooting the cover um, off the ball. If, I, if it was me, I would be starting Trent, A.O., and Allen. And then, you know... Bring bring Feliz off the bench for some ball yeah, handling. I mean that I'd just flip it, and you know, see what you can do there. Now, well, I because the other deal is too defensively. I'm looking at their steal rates here. They're down across the board. Frazier's still pretty solid. I mean, Demonte's you know causing a little bit of havoc that way, but you know, there's you know there's no real need to kind of have guys on the floor that you feel like can extend ball pressure because last year they were getting murdered when they did that they've become a little bit they've backed down the on the line up the line sort of persona so realistically now i would worry about can i import shooting somewhere on the floor and griffin seems like the guy that i would want to plug into that spot and you know see well and and to a degree when you have a freshman big like kofi who's you know so effective around the rim for you offensively um, you know, traditionally, I think a lot of people would think, oh, with like a seven foot, 300 pound dude to defend the rim, like we can extend pressure and he can take care of the rim. But, you know, Kofi's not like a natural gifted shot blocker. Like he's just not that kind of dude. Um, so I could imagine like them maybe sort of realizing pretty early that, uh, you know, if they want to keep him on the floor, they need to, you know, not funnel drivers into yeah. him <laughs> uh and, and so you know back off the pressure a little bit make sure you're keeping him on the floor i think that that kind of makes a lot of sense yeah, that's what they've done they've, um, they've you know the ball will swing a little bit easier than it did a year ago that you can move the ball around the arc but they've done a good job mm-hmm. i think they're much better in ball screen defense than they were a year ago all their guard you could you could pick on them a year ago but all their guards have done a pretty good job now you know keeping guys in front and, you know, sitting down and playing defense. So the one thing, like you're saying, it, in a match of polar opposites here, Illinois is going to be, you know, shown that they, they can get the ball inside and Kofi's shown that he can be pretty consistent down there. Missouri's offense is going to rely on jump shooting to keep that spacing open for Tillman. And Illinois does not, you know, Illinois is pretty solid defensively, but their guards do a good job closing down shooters this year. So that's going to be a question for Missouri is not only can they make shots, but can you make contested jumpers? And if you can't, you know, Illinois is going to have guys who are aggressive and assertive in double teams, you know, aside from having, you know, a, a body that can lean on Tillman and Cockburn. So this really feels like kind of just, again, an extension of can Missouri make its threes? You know, this would be a game. I will say, like, we, we kind of mentioned it off uh, the air before, but if if there was a game where you could maybe play a little bit more through Tillman and kind of expect them to stay on the floor, Bragging Rights is, is a good one because they tend to kind of... They let them go a little let bit. Let the physicality kind of, yeah, kind of go a little bit. But but also I feel like, like Tillman is such a big, strong kid that he can easily displace people and... And not really try to displace people. And so when he when he kind of sits or moves and leans into somebody, and they they sort of you know shimmy and get pushed off the block, like the refs will call a foul. Well, that's not going to happen against you know Kofi uh, Coburn because that dude is <laughs> is built. 
So uh, I think we've got two big guys who are going to be allowed to kind of lean on each other a little bit. And then that could probably help Jeremiah, you know, stay on the floor. And, and maybe with, uh, you know, with the right kind of combination, he, if he plays smart and, you know, is able to kind of pass out the double teams, he can use a, a, a higher level of skill to, you know, kind of get Kofi off the floor a little quicker. And they have, you know, there is some credence to, you know, I wouldn't, you know, Kofi's athletic in the sense that I think he, he, you know, he, I don't think he's, you know, completely lead footed for his size, but I don't know if he's as mobile as Tillman is. And this is maybe a game where do you look at trying to put Tillman in space a little bit more and have him roll and try and, you know, get Cockburn pulled off the block a bit and open some things up for the rest of the offense and try and get him displaced a little bit, you know, up near the nail or forcing him to sort of clear out that baseline area. So a guy like Pickett can back cut it. Or can you find some ways to sort of pull him away from the rim to give yourself some easier looks off the ball? So maybe they try and do that a little bit more and try and hopefully, you know, let, you know, Drew maybe try and play with the change of speeds on him a little bit. So I think there's some things that they can try, but I think, you know, setting that aside, even if they let him lean, it's still going to be a game where I think Missouri's offense is predicated, as we've said a bunch of times, on jump shooting and can they space it that way? And, you know, this would be a really, really good game for Torrance Watson to go back home and sort of get untracked a little bit. Yes. So uh, are you sticking with the uh, Illinois in a close game prediction? For right now, yeah. Um, I think just, I think Missouri has shown they can take them out of what they want to do offensively. Um, We saw it a year ago. Um, But the difference is Illinois has Kofi Cockburn now who is, a legitimate kind of low block threat for them. Um, I think Desunmu will stay on the floor mode this year, and he's a guy who can go create his own offense. Illinois um, can get to the free throw line. Missouri is pretty foul prone and is putting teams there. So I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. I think it's going to be a slog. I think it's, you know, I tweeted the first team to 65 probably wins, but I think Illinois just got guys who can eke out a few more possessions on their own or who can create just a little bit more offense than Missouri can. And until Missouri, you know, shows that it it can shoot with some consistency, it's just hard, you know, to to pick them in a game where it's going to be two defensive-minded kind of teams and they don't have the same kind of individual creators that Illinois does. I think it'll be close, but I'm going to give Illinois, you know, a four- or five-point win. Uh, just to be contrarian, I'll take Missouri. Um say the game kind of goes a little bit like it did last year uh close game and then missouri just kind of makes the right plays with let's say under 10 gets out to a 8 to 10 point lead and uh and they're able to kind of sustain that and it finishes under 10 but it's like uh we'll say six missouri by six so a 10 point spread um and that that will help missouri uh get back um a little bit better, more in the graces of uh, the Ken Pomeroy ratings than they've been so far. I'll give him a second Q one. Uh, have two of them. So, yeah, Matt, the uh, the SEC. Before we get out of here, I want to touch on this. The SEC is is bad. So the good news is, even if Missouri were to lose to Illinois in the Bragg and Rice game, uh, they would be able to get to conference play and still pick up quite a few wins. Um, because I am looking at the scores tonight. It ain't good. And uh, East Tennessee State, who well coached, 
a good team. Love me some Steve Forbes. Uh, very solid mid-major, um, but shouldn't be beating LSU at home, and they did, and they did so uh, seemingly pretty easily. Um, they won by 11, and at one point it was 20. Ooh. So, I saw the final margin. I did not see the, the max lead. That ain't good. That ain't good, Will. Yeah, it was it was a twenty point lead at one point. Oh um, Tennessee went on the road and lost uh, to a Cincinnati team that has been a bit of a mess this year. And Tennessee um, got just absolutely shut down last week, and by um, a James Wisemanless Memphis too. So that was at home. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, lost to Loyola Chicago. We, we, we knew Vandy was going to be bad, but I, I just want to bring up they lost to Loyola Chicago in the Basketball Hall of Fame Showcase. I'm sure that was a outstanding event. Ah, uh, but the chef's kiss is um, coming. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State is currently locked in a tight game against, I believe they're like four, three and six. Three and six Radford. Mm-hmm. Radford is currently up by a point with 14.09 to play. Uh, Alabama uh, was kind of lighting up Sanford. Uh, Sanford has since closed it to, to eight uh, with five to play. But Alabama has 92 points with 5.35 to play. They're figuring, That's they're, a lot they're of figuring out the offense. They figured that out. Um, so, yeah, so the SEC, there's a lot of bad teams. Um, and I would, like... We'll say very, very flawed teams because I think like that's sort of where Missouri is. Is they're capable of being pretty well or being pretty good when they shoot the ball well. Um, they don't shoot the ball well very often, uh, and so because of that, like they're just really difficult to count on. Uh, you look at you know Mississippi State has really not done a lot. You know Arkansas nine and one haven't really played anybody. Uh, they are scoring the ball, which will be interesting to kind of see how that goes the rest of the way. Uh, Texas A&M has fallen off a cliff. Uh, South Carolina, <laughs> uh, again, Murder like, ball. I just, like just playing in brutal games. Like I watched a little bit of the Clemson game the other night. Uh, they beat Clemson at Clemson uh, after getting lit up by Houston. Uh, they have losses to Northern Iowa. Uh, they got blitzed by Wichita State. Wichita State's not a bad team. But uh, SC also lost to Boston University this year, so they're seven and four. That's a Frank Martin team, if there ever was one. But Missouri still owns the worst loss in the conference, I believe, Charleston Southern. So we got that going for us. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were talking about this off. We were talking about this off air. Like this is this is a year where I can't recall like a year in the past four or five where. I haven't been able to find like a good college basketball game to watch any night of the week. Like the sport in general is down this year. We've just look at how many number one teams have been upset already. It, there's no dominant teams, you know. There's no, you know, if you were to take, I think you suggested this. If you were to take the top ten from this year's Ken Palm and plug it into like 2016, where would they rank? It's well. So think about like like Butler right now. Butler is tenth in Ken Palm. Yeah, let me. And we've seen Butler play. Like you've probably seen him a few more times than I have. They're good. They're a good team. Are they a top ten team? I'm pulling up. Like, yeah, let me just pull up their history here. Um, like their adjusted offensive rating is twentieth right now. 
it would probably have been about 30th or 40th in any other year. So, so you know, you know who was 10th in Kempom in 2016? Who, sir? The uh, Buddy Healed Oklahoma team. Yeah. What was their What was their adjusted EM? What was their adjusted offensive rating? I should uh, say. Offensive rating is 117.9. It's almost seven points more per per 100 possessions. Yeah, so the adjusted EM is plus 23.78. Yeah, Uh, Butler's adjusted EM this year at 10 would have probably put them around 22nd in 2016. So, um, knock 10. Whenever you're looking at the top 10 or you're looking at any rating this year, Add 10 or 12 spots to it, and that's probably where <laughs> they would be almost any other year. It's not been a good year. Um, yeah, so Ohio State's at uh, plus 27.20 for their adjusted EM. Um, that would have been sixth in 2016. Last year at plus 27, they would have been eighth. I'm like I'm already clicking on to 2012. I've yet to see anybody under 30. Yeah, so... It's it's a year where everything's sort of compacted, and when that happens, so you want to do a quick explainer on what the adjusted EM means. Basically, so like anybody... it's what would it's how you would perform against the median offense in college, the median team in college basketball. Which is when you look at adjusted EM, it's basically I think your net rating, like it's how many points you average for one hundred possessions versus how many you give up against the average team in college basketball. So, right. When you're looking at that, like this year right now, number one, Ohio State would be 27 points better, basically, against the average team in college basketball. Last year, Virginia would have been 34 points better over 100 possessions. So that's seven points. That's a pretty big margin. So, as you're going through and looking at adjusted EMs, consider, like, what that would be against an average team, basically. And Missouri right now is probably, like, plus 10. Like, plus 10 EM. So, yeah. So, Missouri this year, is uh, their EM is plus 12.83. Uh, if you were to add, like, just to kind of give people an idea of, like, the the seven, what that, that you know, seven points in adjusted EM would do, uh, if you were to add... Seven points to that, it would put them at like 18 in Kempom. So that, it's the difference between being 18th and 58th right now. So, um, like this is a this is a really down year, and and it, it it's hitting the SEC hard. And I think it's one of the things. Like I I think you and I have kind of talked about it offline the other day, and and it's my belief that this is what like two or three kind of down cycles in recruiting. Like I think a lot of people looked back at the 2016 class as being a really deep recruiting team class. Was deep it wasn't top. necessarily, yeah, it wasn't necessarily that, uh, that the 2016 recruiting class was like the top 10 players were great. Cause they were, they, I mean, they had a lot of really good players, but they had a, such a deep class that you were able to get guys at like 200 that any other year might have been able to crack the top 100. Like that's just sort of, you know, the the depth of that class. So that's when recruiting analysts were kind of talking about like it's a really deep class. Um, 
whereas the last few years, everyone's talked about how it's a very top-heavy class. The guys at the top are still good, but and even like this last year, the kids that are all freshmen, uh, you know, this year, like all, a lot of those guys are not as highly thought of as as the top guys in the 2016 class or even 2017 class. Um, so you just have elite players who aren't quite as elite. You have a lack of depth, and now we're sitting at you know a lot of teams who this was a huge. I we mean, wrote about this offseason. The amount, like almost every SEC team, took an insane amount of hits with guys leaving, like Jordan Harper, like Jared Harper, I should say, out of Auburn. Like those guys who are three and four year dudes who might have stuck around for a senior year are not doing that. Like there was a hollowing out, not just of like guys who were obvious pros, but of guys who were like, yeah, I'm going to go get a paycheck now. They Maybe they weren't going to be a late first round pick or even an early second round pick, but they could get a two way contract or they could, you know, catch on with a free agent deal and go, or they could go abroad. Like guys decided that they wanted to go be pro basketball players and the, and they're aware of the opportunities to do that now. And so rosters like, didn't just lose in the SEC their top two or three guys. They lost their top four, top five guys. And when you combine that with sort of the shallower recruiting classes like you're talking about, you you not only have a hit to continuity, you're kind of, I think, extending the developmental curve a little bit out longer. You're going to have some more growing pains. You also open it up to variance, like where the – where the like we were talking about the adjusted EMs are down enough for teams at the top of the sport, but they aren't necessarily down for like teams in the mid majors or the low majors. So what's happened is is that gap has shrunk a little bit, and you're going to see nights where an elite team or a power five team like LSU, which has some talented guys, it has five or six good players, but East Tennessee has an experienced team. It's got seven or eight guys who know how to play in Steve Forbes' system. And they can come in and they can pick you off. And that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's why you see, and, and really, like, Missouri, Missouri's victimhood of uh, losing to Charleston Southern was certainly, um, like, one of the worst examples of, of this. The 353 team hitting 40% of its threes. That, that's not a, kind of an outlier. Yeah, it's and but it is like th- this is kind of what happens is it just takes like a couple things to kind of go against you and next thing you know like hey you're you're in a dogfight. So um so here's kind of where we're at is uh I think I th- I still think this is a team that can kind of put it together a little bit offensively and kind of get to where we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Uh, whether that turns into an NCAA tournament bid, I don't know. Um, honestly, like I, I know Joe Lenardi was kind of saying sixth in the SEC is probably you know about the the mark of where you need to be, and that's probably true. Um, but the reality is, is like there are so many bad teams throughout all the leagues that you never know uh, exactly what's going to happen once you get to league play. So maybe Missouri is able to. Um, figure something out and, and be a little bit more efficient offensively and they can get to that kind of 10 or 11 win mark in league play, which I think should be enough to kind of earn a, an NCAA bid. And keep this in mind too, um, if, if people are looking at Kim Palm, Missouri's sitting in position right now where historically it would be, I think, like a two or a three seed in the NIT. 
right now. So it's not in jeopardy. At least, like if this holds, if this trend were to hold, and they were to go ninety nine in the SEC and like seventeen, fourteen, or eight, and eighteen and thirteen, they'd probably be hosting a first round NIT game. Is probably where they would be. Not the outcome a lot of Missouri fans were hoping for, or that we even thought. You know that you know that would obviously be. You know underwhelming considering what we thought was possible for this team but that's i think it's important to, for people to keep that in mind that while as frustrating as it's been given where the sport is and kind of where missouri sits in it right now they're sort of tacking towards an it bit at this juncture mm-hmm. um so matt uh here's the part where we wrap this up um we are going to take next week off so do not count on a basketball podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take uh, the week of Christmas off. I'm not going to record any podcast. There will be no uh, basketball podcast that week. Um, we will uh, talk about the Bragging Rights game and possibly when's that uh, Chicago State I think game? It's December 30th. Yep. Um, Monday, December 30th, yeah. with a 99.8 percent. Win probability rating. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, so we'll probably record right after that game. We'll have a couple games to talk about. Uh, there will be plenty of, of print coverage, um, or I guess not print, uh, typed, <laughs> pixelated. Uh, yeah, like on the website. So plenty to read um, about the Bragg and Rights game. So we'll do that and. Uh, and then we'll come back uh, in a couple weeks, and we'll we'll do some more dive cutting. Um, Matt, you got any any parting thoughts on on signing day? Uh, it's always a salvage job when a new staff shows up, <laughs> and uh, I don't think people should flip out about a recruiting com- about a recruit who is I think like sixteen hundredth in the two four seven composite flipping to Arkansas. Um, yeah, I, not that people were, but you know, I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to drag kids uh, a whole lot. Nah, um, it's not worth it. He, Johnson was not really a guy that I was very excited about. He was a, a strong physical runner. Um, to me, he looked like a slower, more physical version of like Larry Roundtree, and uh, a guy that doesn't really have a whole lot of burst. Um, and uh, yeah, I just. And Missouri fans, are- I would have been surprised if he'd have been a, a like feature back at some point for Missouri, even if Barry Odom would have uh, stuck around. So and Missouri fans are happy um, they got JJ Hester and Elijah Young. So they, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a long way to go on on the football side. So there's your your football talk, folks. Uh, so we'll be back in a couple weeks. Make sure uh, you go on to like Apple's iTunes. I guess iTunes is dead now, so it's just like the podcast app. Um, and uh, and rate and, and tell us how much you love Rock Animation Podcast uh, and so we will be back in two weeks go follow Matt, go follow me all complaints go to Mitch and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon Thanks for tuning at least Navidad